I've had dogs. You have? Doggy Chow. Oh, I used to love Doggy Chow. <laughs> I used to love Doggy Chow too. Hello, everyone. It's me, yet another week, Brett Collins. Another episode of Girl Blogger. This week was kind of like week it was a week week if you know what i mean like i feel like not that much shit has been going on but whatever there's always shit going on like oh this world we live in there's it's unavoidable everything i mean a lot of shit going wrong there's like fires again in hawaii whatever i'm not talking about that okay first on the list Earlier this week, it was revealed that, <laughs> revealed as if it was like some secret, it was announced that our girl Megan Fox is releasing a book of poetry, and it is called Pretty Boys Are Poisonous. I mean, of course, that's what the title of her poetry book is. Like, she's really kind of on that aesthetic these days, it feels. Um, not really, like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, the vibe of, like, kind of a vampire, kind of, like, just, like, weird mythological girl that's into, like, witchy shit that other people don't understand. Like, that's her vibe. And I feel like the title of this poetry book is really fitting for that. So it's set to release November 7th, and it's available to pre-order already, and it's already a bestseller based on pre-orders. So... Girls already getting it before the books even dropped. I mean, I looked at the cover. If you haven't seen it, it's very, like, Adam and Eve vibes. There's, like, a snake and an apple, I believe. I'm actually not sure if there's a snake and an apple, but when I'm imagining it in my head, that's what I uh, picture from what I saw earlier. And, um, yeah, again, just kind of going with that uh, mythological, like, out there, I guess a little bit biblical, too, um energy into this book and i don't know like it's funny a book of poetry like has she always been into poetry like redealing is megan fox the next like emily dickinson or maya angelou or something but i mean who knows like it's just to me like why not just write a full book in my mind maybe this is just me projecting because for me personally it's like I would put out a book of poetry coming from a place of laziness, like not wanting to commit to a full, whether it be like memoir or, you know, a fiction novel, because that's a bigger commitment that takes a lot longer. There's a lot more editing. The process of that is probably a lot more draining and, you know, coming up with a 300 to 400 page well-rounded story versus just doing individual poems yeah it's a it's a little different to me but that being said I don't want to be a hater on Ms. Fox like maybe she prefers poetry and this was her intention all along like she wants to write poems not full books so you know respect but I do kind of raise an eyebrow at that like because it's also like if this book's about poisonous boys, like, I want the full tea. Like, I want the full story. I don't want some, like, uh, you know, analogy that I'm going to have to, like, a cryptic analogy that I'm really going to have to dissect to figure out what she's talking about. Like, I want the truth just put before me so I can read it and be like, oh, that's what happened on the set of Transformers. Or, like, 
that's what MGK's dick looks like. That's what I want to know. I don't want to, like, yeah, have some metaphor that I'll have to uh, puzzle piece together. That's, that's probably why I'm a bit upset that it's a book of poetry versus a full book. But whatever. Like, Megan Fox, I love her, and I've always loved her, been a huge fan. Obviously, Jennifer's Body is one of my favorite movies that came out in 2009 written and directed by Diablo Cody who did Juno and because of the success of Juno that's why uh, Diablo Cody was able to make Jennifer's body she was basically given like a I don't know like a blank check or you know the freedom to do another project based because of the success of her other movie and um, so that's why she did Jennifer's body and it was really before its time in my opinion like to me that movie's so good it's about like uh, you know Jennifer who's Megan Fox basically gets possessed by a demon and like needs to eat boys to survive so it's kind of like a comedy horror I mean anyone listening to this fucking podcast has seen Jennifer's body who am I kidding it's like half of the content I post on my Instagram but um what was I gonna say oh an amazing uh concept that's really illustrated well in that movie that you don't see much well, I mean, maybe you do in other teen movies, but it's not, like, the focus as it was in Jennifer's Body, is the relationship of, like, best girlfriends also happens with best gay friends a lot, and how they are very good friends, but then there's this, like, undeniable sense of competitiveness between them, and that's really what uh, is a big focus in Jennifer's Body, and, like, if you think about just how common it is, for best girlfriends, like, one friend to fuck the other one's boyfriend, or even full-on, like, steal their best friend's boyfriend. Like, the boyfriend will dump one best friend for the other. Like, that's, like, disturbingly commonplace. So, like, why is that happening all the time? And, like, that probably would happen in the gay world, but just the gays are just fucking everyone, so, like, it's not as much of a thing, but that is definitely a thing in heteronormative, you know girl besties it's just something really interesting and yeah jennifer's body there's a big theme of that in the movie and uh oh yeah so megan fox my mixed feelings about her love her because of that and like just who she is and obviously she's so hot but sometimes i feel like her public persona can be a bit like like sometimes she seems like really cool and level-headed well-rounded but then other times it's like uh, you know, she's just trying so hard to be esoteric and just, like, make sure everyone knows that she's extremely intelligent, and it just comes off a little bit annoying, because it's like, girl, like, we can piece that together based on whatever else, like, you don't kind of need to be, like, putting it in her face like she does a bit, but I don't know, in her defense, maybe she feels pressured to do that because all the focus is on her looks and everything, so she's like, oh, I need to prove that I'm valued otherwise, but then again on that note, it's like, She's harped on how she's only valued for her beauty, but then she's clearly been, like, doing some extreme upkeep with it. Like, not to, like, hate her or out her or whatever, but it's, like, there's definitely been some plastic surgery done. Not that it's bad or anything, but I don't know. It just kind of, it's, like, someone that is annoyed with how valued they are for that then goes and does that, but maybe it's because they feel pressured to do that because she's only valued for her beauty. I don't know. I, it's probably a complex thing that I can't relate too much to because I'm not as hot as Megan Fox. So, you know, a blessing and a curse, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I do love her. Another thing with the surgery, it's like recently, like, again, I don't want to, like, shame a woman for surgery, but, like, 
clearly she just got her boobs done and I get she's had multiple kids maybe she's like oh I'm done having kids like time to get the tits you know uh revamped or something but I don't know it just concerns me that she's kind of maybe could take it too far because she also recently said in her Sports Illustrated um interview that she has extreme body dysmorphia always has she'll never be doesn't feel she'll ever be comfortable in her body which to all of us seems insane but it's also pretty scary because if that's true then it's like okay if that's the mentality and perspective you had then have then you probably won't ever stop getting plastic surgery and she just doesn't need it it's just uh, girl slow it down but whatever she does look great so I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there like if she does uh um decide to get more yeah uh, and then like another thing is I've noticed that like when it comes to being a celebrity maybe she wasn't prepared for this or was aware how famous she would become but there's a certain way that you handle things being said to you and like the way you respond basically kind of usually you don't respond so I see on her Instagram or social media or whatever she kind of always feels the need to like by your back or put these people in their place that are like saying whatever negative things or you know uh, fake news is being put upon her and it's like you really don't need to say anything because no one's really that concerned it's not like she's under some like legal um trouble or something it's like random there's like a politician that said something about her and then people were apparently giving her shit for sharing a gofundme of a friend and she put out these statements like explaining herself and like kind of firing back and like putting the people in their place when it's really like I don't know I feel like you just kind of let those things slide so it's sad to me that it's clearly getting under her skin and she really feels the need to say all that and piggybacking on all of that it's like maybe that's what this whole book of poetry is it's she's like oh like I need to like fire back at all of these men that have wronged me because I think I read in a different thing about the book that uh this is she's held men's secrets she said and she's sick of it and she's about to unleash the beast but again like if that's the case then like I want the full tea I want the real story like I don't want like a haiku that I'm gonna have to like stare at for an hour to even maybe understand what she's trying to say but I don't know maybe the poems will be simpler than that we'll have to just wait and see so yeah November that comes out I'll probably be one of the idiots that pre-orders it and I don't really read things I listen to things I don't know if that makes me a dumber person but yeah I'm all about the audiobooks I wish they had that while I was in high school. I might have actually read one of the books or listened to it, you know, but I just didn't do that. Whew. Okay, so Megan Fox, love her. We'll see uh, how that book turns out. And uh, moving on from that to a recent story that I think this uh, got this um, was posted yesterday, Billy Porter. So Billy Porter of Pose, and if you're not familiar with him, whatever, like, he really is just known for, like, his red carpet looks, which I'll get into. But okay, he claims that he is going to have to sell his house because he is living paycheck to paycheck due to the strikes happening in Hollywood. So that's the writer's strike and the SAG strike. And this statement, at, at, at a glimpse, I looked at it and was like, oh, oh no, how horrible. But then I thought about it for like two seconds and I was like, okay, what? And this really got my gears grinding. Like, not to be a hater, but like, what are our thoughts on Billy? Like, 
what do we trust him? I don't know. It's just weird. So it's like, for example, so here, the writer strike happened May second. So that means that writers stopped working. However, anything that was already in production, mainly movies, could continue uh, continue filming. But then the actors' strike or the SAG strike happened. That's when Fran Drescher gave her whole speech. That happened July 14th. So that hasn't even been a month. And that is when actors had to stop working. So a perfect example of the distinction between the writer's strike and the actor's strike is so like things like late night that the writing is on like, uh, you know, is it probably like, you know, multiple days a week or weekly basis. Those stopped pretty immediately. But um, like a feature film like the Wicked movie that they're making with Ariana Grande, that was filming through the writer's strike. And it was almost done filming, but then it had to stop when the SAG strike happened. And then any, like, promotion of anything. So thank God we got all those Margot Robbie Barbie looks before it really hit, because that would have been so upsetting if we missed out on those. But my big point in bringing up these dates is that it's really only been... It actually hasn't even been a full month since SAG strike happened. It's August 10th when I, while I'm recording this. Hasn't even been a full month that... Uh, Billy's apparently been full out of work and is already claiming he has to sell his house. So it's like, sis, like, did you just out yourself? Like, what have you been saving? You know, like, it's just weird to me. Uh, so like his quote on all this, it says, the life of an artist until you make fuck you money, which I haven't yet, it's paycheck to paycheck. I don't have any words for it, but fuck you, he told a news outlet. And that it's not useful, so I've kept my mouth shut. I haven't engaged because I'm so enraged. I'm glad I've been over here. Okay, not exactly sure the context of that. Maybe that was quoted while he was striking. But whatever. So he says he hasn't made fuck you money. According to Celebrity Net Worth, he's worth $5 million. I don't think I would categorize that as like fuck you, fuck you money. And because Celebrity Net Worth is often off, I would say like... It's probably, you know, a, a quarter or a third of what it usually says. And because um, I have a friend that is an actress and her celebrity net worth, she like laughed at. Not that she's by any means, you know, not making money. She certainly is. But she said that it was very, very off. Um, so I would guess that Billy Porter's probably worth like 1.5 million, somewhere around there. So yes, not like Gwyneth Paltrow money, but certainly a lot. And especially in the past five years, I'd say, he's really become almost a household name. And you just know who he is, and he's gotten a lot of work. So it's like, I don't know, it just is odd to me. It's like, so is this a clickbaity statement he's putting out to grab attention, maybe not just for himself, but for the whole, um, you know, for all of actors to be like, oh, we're all broke, when really he's like taking the fall, like claiming he's broke, but he's not, just so he can bring attention to the actors that are actually going to be living pay to pay paycheck to paycheck, or is he just, you know, was he just so financially not savvy that he's needing to sell his house after, you know, four weeks of not working? Like, I don't know, it just seems like kind of, not all adding up to me like what is the truth you know what is the truth billy are you broke is this a performative statement i don't know like 
here, I feel like this is also coming from a place of me just kind of thinking he's an annoying person. I always have since he's really just kind of been out there. And, like, he's, like, you know, always wearing, like, the biggest, wildest outfit. He, like, wore that, like, tuxedo dress to the Oscars. I think that was, like, his birth, first big statement outfit. And then, like, every year to the Met Gala, I just can't keep track. He's always in, like, something that's, like, not a serve, but it's, like, extremely, like, opulent and out there. It's, like, unavoidable, so you, like, have to see him. I don't know. I feel like he, it's just, like, everything he does always seems, like, outwardly extremely performative and not coming from like a genuine place when he's kind of misconstruing it to be I don't know like activist or like you know promoting LGBTQ like when really I just think he wants himself to be seen is really what I think and it just I don't know when people are uh like doing these things in a not genuine way it just kind of rubs me the wrong way and I feel like he just always thinks he's giving main character energy when really he's just kind of the jester of the court if you will so I don't know like yeah it's just ugh, it's just a lot like so oh I came up with a great example of like these looks like he always thinks that he's being sub subversive when really it's just blatantly attention seeking all of his looks and I'd say an example of something that is sub subversive that's not necessarily the most attention seeking but is just like such a serve is when Gillian Anderson wore the exposed thong uh, in the back of her low cut dress at the Vanity Fair Oscar party in 2001 it was an Eduardo Lucero dress so I don't know the full story behind it but my guess is that uh, the dress dipped so far back they didn't have time to do another fitting and her butt crack was exposed they didn't maybe they didn't have another dress maybe she really wanted to wear that dress and maybe they're like well you're gonna have to wear underwear if you don't want your ass out and she's like okay i'll just wear this thong so the thong was fully exposed and it just like was amazing and was such a look and it's still remembered and now there are dresses designed based off that many time and time over like uh Haley Bieber wore like a pink I think it was like an Alexander Wang dress to uh the Met Gala one year I don't know if it was Alexander Wang but I think it was but it did have like the thong t-back in the back of the lower back so yeah like that is a prime example of something subversive that made a huge statement that was kind of shocking for the time that wasn't totally her seeking attention I don't believe so it made it just really cool and memorable and not that Billy's looks aren't memorable, but they're not necessarily memorable for the same reasons, in my opinion. Maybe I'm just jealous because he gets invited to all these things, but you know what I'm not jealous of? If he actually does have to sell his house. So, you know, there's that. Oh, moving on to a different, uh, more of a scandal than that is the whole Lizzo thing. I almost talked about this last week, but I didn't really know if it was worth talking about but i feel like it's just dragged on and i keep hearing and seeing more details about it on social media so in a nutshell if you haven't already read about this former dancers of lizzo's are claiming that lizzo created an abusive and a toxic work environment that included weight shaming and sexual harassment and then in addition to those accusations, uh, the lawsuit they're bringing, the dancers are bringing, also claim for religious and racial harassment, false imprisonment, don't know what that's about, 
interference and prospective economic advantage and other allegations, but not every claim was brought against by each defendant. I think that means that each dancer is kind of claiming different things against Lizzo. Whatever. I heard something about a vagina. Oh, a vagina. Something about a vagina. Something about a banana in a vagina. Like Lizzo was like, put this banana in your vagina or something kind of wacky. Uh, I heard something else about a dancer, Lizzo forcing one of the dancers to grab a stripper's tits. And then heard something else about Lizzo getting mad that another dancer was getting too fat or something. And that was where the uh, body shaming thing came into play. Like maybe like Lizzo wanted to be like the thickest girl and she couldn't have someone like as big as her is my guess, but don't know exactly. I don't know. It just brings me to a very uh, specific and interesting topic that I feel like is always something that the general public is questioning is a celebrity's uh, celebrity persona or their public persona that they present versus their real personality in real life. It's just something that a phenomenon we can never fully grasp because not every person can meet every celebrity. So it's always kind of the big question is like, are they a diva? Are they not? And I mean, unfortunately, this mostly pertains to women, but even though people harp on that, I, as a gay man, just kind of think that's because a lot of time women are more interesting, but who knows? That's just me. Maybe that's uh, a justification of something wrong and toxic and that we objectify or, you know, villainize women too much but whatever like a lot of time these uh debates on like are they a bitch are they not it's just like more interesting with female celebrities versus male celebrities i don't know but yeah because it's hard to determine a lot of times because uh sometimes the stories are totally false but then on the other hand where there's smoke there's fire so a lot of times it's like eh, this wouldn't have even been written if there wasn't some truth to it and i feel like a good example of uh a celebrity where there's a general consensus of them not being easy to work with is Leah Michelle. And I've heard from multiple people that are actors um, or, you know, just in Hollywood that have worked with her or met her in a certain setting that she was a horrible nightmare. And then there was that whole thing that came out, people tweeting, people that worked with her, that just sharing story after story of how horrible she was. And then I actually have a close friend that worked at a spa that she frequented to get like facials and other spa treatments and said that she was probably the most unfriendly celebrity because it was actually a spa within a hotel. So he saw celebrities all the time and said that she was hands down the worst of uh, any celebrity he met there. So that's definitely saying something. But then in contrast to that, I have another friend that's an actress that told me that she would go to, not a lot, but she's met Leah Michelle on multiple occasions and said that she was Leah Michelle was extremely sweet and funny all the times they met. So yeah, there was that. Oh, I actually have a funny story about Leah Michelle. Apparently on the set of Scream Queens, uh, Emma Roberts would always call um, Abigail Breslin Gail. She'd be like, oh my god, Gail, like you're crazy Gail. And uh, one time they were all on set and somebody farted. And like, I don't know if you could hear it, but it smelled. And Emma Roberts was like, oh my god, Gail, you totally farted. And like Emma blamed the fart on Abigail Breslin. And then 
whatever moments or a few minutes go by or maybe it was later in the day apparently Leah Michelle came up to Abigail Breslin and was like sorry girl that was me but thanks for taking the rap and like winked at her so like Leah Michelle was actually the one that farted I don't know if that story's true I really hope it is because that's hilarious Oh, okay, yeah, just going on. Now I'm just thinking of other celebrities I've met because I've lived in L.A. since I was 20, since 2010, so I've been here over a decade. I've met a lot of people, and I think a prime example, if anyone doesn't know, I have met my girl, Lindsay Lohan. I met her in 2011, I was, I believe. Coldplay wasn't on tour, but they did a show at the UCLA tennis courts. Like, they've created a stage out of the tennis courts and I was in the VIP area and so was Lindsay so I went up to her I was like this is never going to happen again like this is a perfect time my first time seeing her didn't know if I was ever going to see her again and I actually never have seen her again since then so I'm so glad I did this I went up to her she was with her sister Allie and I was just like I love you can I please get a picture with you and she turned around like batted her false lashes at me and her voice was even raspier and better in person and she was like yeah of course I mean that was a horrible Lindsay Lohan voice but you know that husky voice when you hear it and she smiled she was wearing this like red uh, plaid shirt over a white cami and had like denim shorts with an Hermes belt I mean she looked great and she had like bubble bath hair updo smiled at me and my friend got a picture with us giggled and was like bye guys have a good night and she was just so sweet and it was probably the best experience I could have had with her because I have a lot of friends now that ironically were friends with her like close friends with her during her heyday back from like 2005 to 2009 when she was really you know hitting the clubs and they said she was probably the most turbulent person that they've ever met and that sometimes she was really sweet but other times she was like completely psychotic so yeah I guess I got I had a good experience but um I mean regardless like it's Lindsay we stand stand Lindsay forever but the celebrity I have met multiple times and have had the best experiences with out of anyone is Paris Hilton. I've met her a few times, actually a few times during Halloween. One was uh, a lot of many years ago. She was uh, Minnie Mouse for Halloween and there was this party at this guy Justin's house that I saw her at and Hilary Duff was there and we were all sitting around the fire and Hillary looks at um, Hillary looks at Paris and goes, "Hey, Minnie Mouse," and Paris just goes, "Hi, baby, you look gorgeous." And that was their funny little inter interaction. Hillary Doof and uh, Paris, and then later I managed to be around the fire again with Paris sitting there, and the party was kind of wrapping up. We were like some of the few people there, last few people there. And Paris just looks at me and my friend, me and my friend were like smoking and talking. She goes, hi. And we're like, oh, hi, like, what's up? And she just goes, are you guys having a good time? And I was like, yeah. And then I thought later, because it had only been a few years after she released her song, Good Time. And I was like, oh my God, how iconic. Paris just quoted herself, obsessed. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then the other Halloween time I met Paris was actually when I was dressed up as Lindsay and Mykonos because that meme had just gone viral that year. And I saw Paris. Of course, she didn't recognize me from the other time I had met her. 
But I got a picture with her, and I was like, do you know who I am? Like, who I was dressed as? And she looks at me, and she's like, duh, Lindsay Lohan and Mykonos. And I got a picture with her, and it was so cute. If you deep dive on my Instagram, you can find it. But yeah, Paris, definitely the best person I've had an experience with. Worst person I've had an experience with? I don't know, actually. I can't think of one that stands out where someone was, like, genuinely awful, especially on, like, a you know, a one-off basis. There are other, but then there are other people that I have met that they've been great sometimes and absolutely awful other times. So it really is just a toss-up, you know, and you really can't categorize someone as good or bad based on whatever. So back to Lizzo, I think that there is some sort of bridge of truth in this situation. Like maybe some crazy shit did go down with the dancers that was fucked up, but maybe the dancers could be manipulating the story in their favor just, you know, to get some of that coin, that Lizzo money. Because that happens. Like, a lot of times parties, you do funny things in the moment that on paper seem absolutely insane, but when you're there, experience it, it's actually not that crazy, and you're enjoying it at the time. So, yeah, that definitely happens a lot of time in L.A. So it could be that. However, then, in contrast to that, I was saw a post on Dumois where I guess they were going back in their DMs and uh, things people have messaged them. And apparently since 2020, people have been saying that Lizzo's the worst, especially if you work with her, blah, 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 same type of story, toxic environment, whatever. So who knows what is the truth on that? Jury's still out. (sighs) Okay, and lastly, this is kind of a shorter episode this week because, again, it's a week week. There's just not as much content for me to savor in but whatever you you go with what you got uh taylor swift's eras tour i am not a swifty i'm really not a swifty at all however i think i said on a previous episode like i'm kind of a hater on her but then i'm kind of a hypocrite because i listen to all of her music pretty often and i do really enjoy it i'm not gonna lie and say i don't like her music because i do however there's just something about her and her public persona, I don't know. It just, like, doesn't really hit with me or land. Like, I don't think she's, like... Like, I just made a recent post on my Instagram about, like, serving cunt. Like, as gay of a term as that is, I love it. And, like, I don't know. I just really don't find her to be serving cunt, you know? Maybe other... I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. But, like, I don't know. The thing that surprised me about this tour is, like, when the Beyoncé tour happened... And I knew that the Taylor Swift tour was going to be a huge thing. Obviously, the ticket sales were insane. But when it comes to, like, the content being posted and the people that I'm friends with and people I know and follow, I knew a ton of them would be going to see Beyonce. I really didn't think everyone that I follow would be as obsessed and going to Taylor's tour as much as they were the Beyonce tour, if not more so. Like, it is crazy to me. I cannot go one story post without seeing... A fucking Taylor Swift like concert video and like I don't know the thing there's something about concert videos that are just so anticlimactic just like your phone being held up and like forced into the air to like get a glimpse of her like you know like hundreds of yards away I don't know it just seems so stupid I guess it's just to like say you were there or whatever you want like a memory I get it but just like not great content so I'm just like constantly swiping through it like get me the fuck out of this but yeah, everyone seems to be there. I don't know when it's ending. And yeah, I feel like everyone's just in agreement that T-Swift is a full girl boss now. Like, I think everyone's always known that. But before 
it was more of a mixed bag on if people liked her or not, if people were obsessed or if it, whatever. But I feel like everyone is just like team Taylor now. So I don't really know. Like, I don't really care, but it's like still kind of slightly surprising me. I guess because like by comparison, it's like I almost think she's like on a Beyonce level now. And like, I'm not saying that I believe she is, but what's being presented to me is that everyone else apparently believes like Taylor Swift is at that level which like maybe financially she is but like I don't know in terms of like icon level I don't think she could ever be that but like she is I guess and I feel like this tour is really proving that I don't know it's just really crazy to me I came up with a good metaphor for Taylor I feel like Taylor Swift is a pop to what Taylor Swift is to pop stardom is what Titanic is to films like and like the people that enjoy it like everyone that is a Swifty and is obsessed with Taylor Swift of course is going to be obsessed with the movie Titanic and the reason that I feel like these are such a good comparison and it's such a good metaphor is because Titanic is undeniably a great film it's very well done I love watching it I watch it all the time everyone watches it all the time you know I think things have surpassed it but at its time was the highest grossing film like most seen film like everyone was lining up to fucking see it with that being said it's a very simple story like there's really nothing that thought-provoking or deep about Titanic it's essentially Romeo and Juliet on a boat and that's great I love a simple straightforward story and it's an amazing film and you know it was so good for its time especially in the you know if you rewatch it that CGI really holds up but I don't know it's just like not really as much of a vibe I guess like for an artist like Lana Del Rey who has just like really carved out such a niche place for herself and it's just like continues to be so aspirational to me like her whole like Waffle House thing she's doing now and just like being like a total glamazon mixed with a dumpster girl like it's just such a great juxtaposition that I'm just so obsessed with and if you can tell that it's totally genuine to her personality and who she is to her core so it makes it even more interesting and funny like this is not an act like that is Lana Del Rey and I don't think Taylor Swift's putting on an act but I just think she's kind of more of a basic simple person and is just a less fascinating artist to me versus other people so I don't know that's just kind of my thing and it's like whatever maybe I'm just a hater she's getting all of that money you know making close to a billion dollars if she's not already worth the billion dollars while I'm just like sitting in my apartment with my cat recording this so we're definitely on different levels and you know who am I to judge like you get it girl you get it get it get it and now there's like the Taylor's way like I mean she really is creating a whole new thing with that like recreating albums under her own whatever so she gets like full royalties for it honestly kind of the first to ever do that except for the Olsen twins who produced their own you know video films back in the day so they got all that revenue and uh yeah no one is really on that game so she really is a girl boss and gotta hand it to her for that so and I did see a cute meme that was like or it's not really a meme but it's like a post of like Margot Robbie and Taylor Swift side by side and they're like these girls are carrying the economy on their back and you know that's that is facts so we have no other choice but to stand I guess all right well that's it for this week that's another episode of girl boss I mean <laughs> girl boss girl blogger 
yeah, all right, I'm going to go do something else, like stare in the mirror. All right, love you guys. Bye, bitches. Ooh.